Welcome to Paradox Culture Podcast, episode number nine. I cannot believe we're on um, episode number nine, but we are, and it's been great and wonderful and exciting. I'm your host, Trent Peacock, and we talk about things that no one else wants to talk about. <laughs> it's getting that way. <laughs> uh, welcome, uh, my co-host, as always, Philip Blancardi. Today is a special episode. We've been kind of fleshing this thing out and not sure that we have all the answers to it yet, uh, but that makes it fun to listen and fun to debate. Um, So as we say, a Paradox Culture podcast is when our lives and words don't always say the same thing. So today we're going to be talking about defiant Christianity. Defiant Christianity is what we'll be talking about today. But as always, Philip, before we get into the major topic, we always discuss some kind of tomfoolery, and today's question for you, because summer is coming, it's almost here. In fact, some of our pools have already opened. Yeah. So the question I have for you today, suntan lotion or sunscreen spray? Oh, oh, that's easy, lotion. I, I, I hate the spray. Okay, so first, first of all, <laughs> I, I don't really burn, so I don't really put the stuff on anyways, so it doesn't matter to me. Um, I understand the ease of the spray, I guess, like, you know, like just spraying that on there, but I've noticed on a lot of people that do the spray, um, like it's splotchy. Sure. Like there's, so you still have to rub it in anyways. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just feel like, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like just put the lotion on and it. It's a much easier situation. Wow. That really surprises me. Really? Totally thought you'd be a spray guy. No, I, like I said, I don't use this stuff anyways. I guess if I'm putting it on somebody, I'd rather use a spray because <laughs> I don't have to get my hands in anything. Um, but yeah, I. Because, here's why I thought you would that be. That was a, a random question. I, I did not anticipate that. You weren't expecting that, that one. I know. <laughs> all. I know. Uh, I pulled that one on you. Um, we did not pre-record that. We did not pre-talk about that pre-show discussion. Um, but the reason I thought you would be spray versus lotion. Yeah. Because lotion has the same effect on me as glitter. Well, I cannot stand lotion. The feel of oh, lotion. Yeah. yeah. The greasiness of lotion. Yeah. The residue it leaves on you. I cannot stand that. So obviously I'm a spray guy. I don't mind the way like if I would like if I put lotion on like I don't mind that so much like my mm. arms or no. like something. No. But I don't like it on my hands. For so sure. that's why I was so surprised that you said lotion. Yeah. And I, lotion also looks like mayonnaise. The spray feels <laughs> the spray <laughs> feels more greasy to me than the lotion does. So like the only time I ever have to mess with anything like these two options is if like Amy asked me to help her put some sunscreen lotion on or something like that. It still has to be like, like spread out. So true, I, but it evaporates. Plus, you know how it is when you spray things. There's always that uh, drift. Yeah, and it always ends up in my face. With lotion, I don't have to worry about that. If you want to put lotion on yourself, <laughs> do it. But it, someone's always next to me, like spraying that stupid thing. I'm that guy. Sprays it right next to you when you yeah, stand behind you know, me. Yeah, like. Yeah, it's just it ends up on your yeah. I just can't do the greasy lotion. I mean, yes. For a momentarily, it is there, and it's a little bit greasy, but it evaporates. It's gone. Whereas the suntan lotion is just always – you can never rub it in enough. It, like, 
It's always there. I always just pick up some sand, rub my hands in the sand, <laughs> nice. and then rinse them off in the water. Yeah. Or you rub it on somebody's back after you do that. Yeah, or someone else's towel. Yeah. Anyway, that was the uh, <laughs> that <laughs> the was so dumb random, random question. To get us ready for summer, <laughs> let us know what you are, sand, suntan spray or lotion, what type of person you are. And if you are on the right side of this argument and agree with me with spray, or if you're on the wrong side of it and agree with the lotion. So, all right, today we're going to dive into a kind of unusual topic that really just kind of um, came about the other day. I was listening to um, another popular podcast by Dr. Albert Moeller uh, called The Briefing, a very good podcast on Worldview. If you haven't ever uh, listened, I encourage you to go listen to it. He is a brilliant man and a brilliant theologian, and so very good podcast. Um, so I encourage you to go uh, listen to him. Anyway, he was bringing up the idea of secularism versus the theistic worldview mm-hmm. and how those two um, worldviews collide and especially how they come together in our culture and especially now that we're having, uh, we've always had a chasm between those two, but in our current COVID culture, um, those two are being driven further apart because uh, churches are wanting to meet again, mm-hmm. and some of the uh, government government authorities are saying no. The secular <coughs> worldview or secularism would say the government has the ultimate authority, where the theistic worldview would say that a god or the God that they worship has the ultimate authority. Right. Now, this doesn't just pertain to Christianity. This could pertain to um, the the religion of Islam, uh, you know, of course, Catholicism, or any religion could be right. equated to this that has a theistic worldview. Right. So there's this clash that's happening in our culture right now, or across our nation. Because across of the this. world, really. Yeah, across the world, yeah, because it's even happening in Europe and in Germany and and in the Islamic countries, you know, because mm-hmm. of COVID not being able to meet. And uh, their desire as a theistic worldview to continue to meet and gather with their fellow believers. Right. And uh, so as we always do, we talk about it from the Christian context. So today's, as I've already said, the episode is entitled Defiant Christianity. And wanting to kind of come at it from the angle of, okay, there's this paradox in Scripture. One, we have Scripture telling us, uh, it's in Romans um, chapter, let me make sure I get the right chapter here. 13. Chapter 13, verses 1 through roughly 7. And it's talking about how God has placed before us governing bodies, like, God's not surprised when someone is elected to a a governing office, you know, and he's allowed those kings and kingdoms and governments to be in place um, as the authority over us. And so if that is the case, then when that government maybe asks us or infringes on our religious liberties, when is it okay to disobey the governing authority? So interesting topic, interesting paradox there. And like I say, I said at the beginning, I don't know if we're going to come up with a definitive answer today. 
But I thought it'd be something fun for us to discuss. Also, First uh, Peter two thirteen says that as well. Be subject to the Lord, for the Lord's sakes, to the every human institution, whether to be an emperor or as supreme. So, like allowing those institutions to have governing authority. Now, you know, you dig into this and say, okay, what is Scripture saying here? Because obviously, if there was a governing body that was giving some kind of rule or some kind of law that would, like, go against God's law, then God obviously is not saying, well, I put them as your authority, obey them. Right. We see that in the Old Testament, plenty of examples mm-hmm. where God's people were called out to go against the governing authority. Right. Daniel, you know, Meshach, uh, <laughs> Shadrach, and Abednego. Right. You know, you see those they are just two stark, you know, very obvious uh, examples mm-hmm. in Scripture. Um, but then we see a flip side, you know, like when David was already anointed as king, like right. God told David to still follow and obey Saul. Right. You know, so he was still in charge. Because he was still God's man at that, or, you know, God had put him in authority at that time mm-hmm. or allowed him to be in the authority at that time. So... You know, we see these examples, and then how, do, how does that play for us today? And I think in some countries, um, you know, there's a lot more religious liberties than others. In America, we, we are founded on religious liberty, you know. And I think, so it's a very interesting topic and a very, I guess, hot button today because it's kind of being, in some regards, challenged because of covid now, please, as we're look at, uh, as an audience, I want you to know uh, I'm not coming at this as the conspiracy theorist, <laughs> and that COVID is a plan to, um, you know, uh, keep churches from meeting or, you know, some kind of religious religious liberties fight. I don't really think that's the intention of what's going on. Right. Um, so I'm not coming at it from that angle. But so what do you think? I mean, this is something we got to deal with in today's culture more than probably we have ever before or in a really long time. Yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, you know, I was reading something the other day and uh, yesterday, actually, um, yesterday evening. And it was saying, you know, at what point does our like fight for our rights, mm-hmm. right, um, kind of begin to deteriorate our witness? You know, and so we see a lot of, I mean, we've seen on the news, we've seen in some, some journals and some articles that, you know, churches are deciding to remain open in the midst of all this, that they're still allowing their congregations to come and to meet and to be in, like in place in their buildings. And I think the general reaction for most of us is like, what are they doing? Like, why would they, like, they obviously know something's going on right now. We know mm-hmm. that this is a problem, you know, to what degree of a problem is kind of d- uh, different depending on who you are. But we all know that COVID-19 is out there. There's an issue. Um, it's contagious. And then, you know, even as a Christian, even as a pastor, I'm like, well, you know, that seems like a bad idea. Right. Like you really just have people looking at you in a negative light now. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of this, a lot of our conversation, I feel like it's going to end up being, you know, like you said, we don't really have an answer. It's going to be kind of one of those things where, um, we're not really saying one thing is, is definite over the other, but I think a question we have to ask ourselves, and this is really a question we have to ask ourselves in any kind of topic that we discuss is, um, where does this begin to hurt my witness? Mm-hmm. Where does it lead me? 
Right. And is, is this going to impact the kingdom in a negative or positive way based on how I react? Right. You know, and so obviously we understand that at some point there comes a decision that has to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in the, in this situation where a church is so obviously just saying we're a pastor, so obviously just saying, no, our first amendment rights say that we get to do whatever mm-hmm. and you can't tell us not to. Well, you know, technically you're right. Yes. Right. But are you totally going to take that stance so strong that people are ultimately going to look at you and be like, you know what? Like I just clearly you're crazy. And realistically that's how the world, like how it's how the secular world looks at Christianity. And to some degree is, you know, you guys are just living in this fantasy world where there's this guy in the sky. And mm-hmm. I think we f- are fighting against a culture so much that is, that we have to be mindful of in a way, in, in some degree, and I'm trying to be tactful about how this is, we have to play our cards right in how, in what, cho- what battles we choose. Yeah. I was going to say, you pick your battles wisely. Like what hill am I going to die on? Right. Is my hill going to be that I want to hold a, a service? Right. And now no one ever is going to like, everyone thinks I'm just crazy, you know? And so it's, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, and me and you have, have had many of conversations about, politics and government and all that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of have some differing things and a lot of that comes from like our different backgrounds, but you know, I think it definitely is a very interesting topic. <clears throat> yeah. And just to be clear, as we talk about this, I want to, you know, make sure that we brought up scripture and the paradox scripture brings. So I want to read Romans chapter 13. So we know what it says. I don't want to assume our audience knows mm-hmm. uh, they may have never have seen this first. So it says in verse or, uh, Romans 13, verse 1 begins, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority then do what is good and you will receive his approval so of course we want to be true to what this verse is talking about right we don't want to proof text by randomly picking um, scriptures to prove a point you know that we're trying to make or an angle that we're trying to come out from so you know I really believe that Paul is writing here and he's telling the believers that, hey, one, God is not surprised by who's in authority because he's allowed them to be in authority. Right. You know, and um, and God is the ultimate authority. Right. That's what we see in the second half of verse one, that there is no authority except from God because God allows is the ultimate authority. And so if God has, you know, allowed someone to be in a position of authority, we should have a respect for the office that has that authority and the ability to govern. Right. You know? And I think that's a struggle sometimes for Christians because we don't always respect the person that's in that uh, position, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. There might be a, it's a challenge for us sometimes. That that's even another paradox, like how to respect <laughs> that person that is in office when their politics disagree with our politics or our worldview disagrees with their worldview. Right. But also holding to what Scripture is telling us that God's not surprised. He's allowed that person to be an authority. And then he says, therefore, um, whoever resists the authority brings the judgment on them. But, you know, they'll bring judgment to themselves. 
But I think this is really not just talking about, like we were talking about religious liberty mm-hmm. versus following the governing authority. And I think this kind of goes beyond that a little bit in the fact that, you know, one, we want to be law-abiding citizens as right. believers. Like we, Our testimony is p- tied to how we react to the authorities that govern us, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like this verse is saying obey the authorities at all costs. I think that also would be incorrect. You know, again, we've already mentioned Old Testament examples of this. Mm-hmm. You know, when right. when an authority is is cha- uh, is made laws that go against God's word and against his statutes, well then we can't that's a co- contradiction as we like to call it a paradox and you wouldn't want to God would not call us to go against his word. Right. Yeah. God is God has ultimate authority. God's word has ultimate authority as believers or should. Right. And I, and I think the the question obviously always comes back to like when we when we pull scripture, right? The the question always comes back, what if? Right? We play these what if scenarios. What if the government's doing this? What if the government's doing that? You know, you think about just within our own government, the history that we have obviously with revolution, with rebellion with you know protests and things like that you Mm -hmm. know when are things like that acceptable when are things not acceptable you know obviously you know when romans is written paul's not saying hey uh just lay down and the government just trust them and you know obviously you know there's some context that has to be remembered and so you know i mean think about what's going on in rome at the time when when paul's writing this right nero's in charge there's a lot happening um very evil guy so there's a lot of I think the context is important because there's a lot of mistrust between the Jews and the Romans yeah. when this is is written. Sure. And so it's not just like Paul's like, hey, everybody, just want to let you know, obey the government. You know, <laughs> like this is not like a, like a very civil time for the Jews that, right. are, that are receiving this. And so he's writing this to a group of people that are in the midst of like, hey, there's a governing body ahead in, in charge of us that does not have our best intentions in mind. They're just killing us. They're killing us. You know, they're taking our tax dollars like they're mm-hmm. they're taxing us like crazy mm-hmm. and they're spending on things that, that we're not really OK with. And so, like, Paul is writing this to a group of people that are dealing with a government that is not quite so um, in their favor. Right. And within the context of what's happening in Romans 13, Paul's whole point is like how to respond in a peaceful, like loving way. Like he's not talking about going in there and like just bending over and being like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm okay with whatever's going to happen, but also not going in and just, you know, tearing the place apart. Not building militias. Right. And so to, to, to kind of have some context and it you know, kind of goes into those what if questions, like obviously there are situations where, um, government has oversteps its bounds in some things, but the, the question always should come back to, well, how should we respond? And Romans 13 is a response of civility and love towards those people, keeping in mind the things that we've talked about in the last few episodes of, hey, that's another person. Keep that in mind. You know, that's another person creating God's image. Right. And so I think that if we can can remind ourselves of that and take the context for what it is, then it helps us kind of navigate some of where we're going to probably end up going in, in a lot of this. So, well, and two, you know, we we look at it from an American co- context. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, <laughs> uh, we look at our brothers and sisters who are in China under a communist regime regime, and they their governing authorities are actually denying 
God at all, right. you know, and so, and they're being persecuted and, you know, we act as, you know, really we're kind of a little bit spoiled and I think mine even brought this up in, in our episode, uh, not long ago. Um, but just that we don't face the same kind of persecution that the other believers around the world face. Right. Right. There's some real persecution. And so I think sometimes as b- Christians in America, we're guarded against that kind of persecution because we don't want that to happen here in America. Mm-hmm. So any slight indication that that might come be coming our way, we get real. Oh yeah. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Real firm, real defiant, defiant Christianity. You know? <laughs> um, so I, I just think it's an interesting paradox that we have to be careful of. Also, you know, we see that Scripture tells us don't forsake the gathering of the saints in the Hebrews chapter 10. Right. And so, okay, well, what does that look like? You know, and it seems in this COVID era, we've, quote unquote, not been gathering together, you know, physically. Uh, many churches have been doing the online services, which has been awesome. In fact, I think that's one of the, the coolest things, and I think we've touched on this before, is just seeing how the church has been innovative in continuing to worship God through technology and coming together as congregations through technology. Right. We talked about our small groups that they're all meeting virtually, practically almost every single one of them, and seeing them continue that context online and gathering together. It's not the same. I mean, to say that it's the same would be as gathering in person would probably be a little bit of a stretch, but it has value is what I'm trying to say. Right. Is that it's not, I can't say that we've totally forsaken the gathering of the saints during this time. Yeah, of course. I, you know, I think that, you know, it's easy to spin that when you hear the word gathering, it's like clearly getting together and it's easy to spin that as, Hey, we, we need to be in the church building and, you know, and I think we need to keep in mind, you know, take culture, take the context of what we're reading. There was no webcams back when this was written. Obviously Hebrews was not like, boy, one day with this technology, we're going to be able to meet online. Like they were not thinking about that. And so I, you know, we can't be of the mindset that we only can gather in person. Right. Um, And I think we've used plenty of tools to prove that that is not necessarily how it has to be. Right. Yeah. And I, and like you're saying, I think, you know, you're doing a great job of bringing that back, bringing us back. Context matters. Context matters when you read scripture. Context matters because I, you know, I think that's a dangerous thing that we get into when we as believers try to take verses out of context, right? Oh yeah. You know, we we walk a very dangerous line when we do that. So to be in untrue, mm-hmm. like and. um to use script God's word in a way that's that's inappropriate, right? You know, yeah. And um, but you know, you talk about Hebrews. There was no webcams. There wasn't. <laughs> you know, the the churches were scattered. You know, Paul's making his well, you know, journeys all across Asia and all across the Middle East and missionary journeys everywhere, spreading the gospel. And he writes most of the New Testament to churches. He writes letters to these churches. They, they shared with other believers right. for the encouragement of the, of the believers. And that was the way God intended that to be. <clears throat> so there was, 
and the the point I'm trying to go go towards is we have it kind of easy because of technology. Oh yeah. That we really have no excuse. Like we're talking about Christians who would walk and and you know we've both been to Africa together. Yep. To, went to Kenya last October together and um you know it was a reality that there were a lot of believers that we went to church with when we were there that walked several miles. Oh yeah. to get to church. Oh absolutely. You know, and in in our American culture, we would never consider walking oh, yeah. to church. And they were even meeting earlier than we meet. I mean, like, right. we have people who are strolling in late at 9 o'clock, and they're like, uh, you know, it's early in the morning. But, I mean, we were at church at 8. Yeah. And you think about people walking miles to get there. Like, what time did they get up to make that happen? To make that, you know, they walk 10, you know, plus miles. I mean, right. it, it's, <laughs> it was not, that was not like a rare occurrence. That was like... That's a lot life. of people. That's what they do. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so, and in the same context in Hebrew, that they they didn't necessarily like. This is not just doing church. There's not a church on every corner. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not easy for them to get to the the gathering of the saints. And so, I think when Paul is writing that, he's pushing the church to say, "Listen, this is so important. It's worth the sacrifice of time, energy, resources that you would have to use to be intentional to go to church." Mm-hmm. Where we in our culture today, it's like there's we find church, every reason. There's every, we find every reason not to to gather. Yeah, and um, you know I think we really are without excuse mm-hmm. to yeah. obey that command. Yeah, and I think you know even within the context of kind of how church is happening right now, kind of in this COVID times, it's like every you know I think about our I hate to say this but like our college kids. I mean we have about six college kids, seven college kids that were. Um, you know, coming and meeting with us on a regular basis when we were meeting in person. But now that we've kind of started things online, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. I'm like, you ain't, you're not doing anything. <laughs> Everybody's at home right now. Yeah. Like, there's no reason you should have to not be able to make this happen. Like you sit down in front of a computer or your phone. I mean, the fact that you can get on right. your phone and just sit, you know, we have kids that we have some of our college group that, you know, they, they may be in their car. I mean, it's happened numerous times. They're in their car on their way somewhere. But they turn their phone on, they stick it on the dash on their magnetic thing, and we're able to, they're driving, but they're part of our group. Right. And it's, you're right, it's so easy to be like, well, you know what, I've got this thing happening, I'm just not going to be able to make it. And when we talk about, when you talk about Hebrews chapter 10, the gathering of the saints, it's like, don't neglect that time that you have together. You know, make sure. But I think that what has happened is we've kind of, maybe some of these churches that have chosen to meet during this time are like, no, this is the verse we're going with. And this is the one we're going to, you know, this is the one we're going to hold up every time this conversation happens. And it's like, we're going to champion this as our right to gather. Right. Right. But at what cost, right? That's always the question. No matter who you are, Christian, non-Christian, you know, what's the cost of the statement you're making? You know, Mm -hmm. think about that with friends on social media. Like I get what you're saying. I understand it. But what bridges are you burning just because you wanted to say that? Right. And is it having the effect that you wanted to say? Or did you just say it because it made you feel better and you got to voice your opinion? And, you know, it's like, are you, you got to show some defiant Christianity? Like, I will not be ruled by a tyrannical government. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 even my friends that are not believers, you know, clearly against a lot of the administration that's happening right now and a lot of the things that are going on, you know, opening back up things. There's a lot of that. It's like just posting things and it's like you're just posting things to post things to make yourself feel better you're not really trying to change anyone's mind and that's something we have to be mindful of as christians is that the whole purpose of what we do is to change someone's life with the gospel right their eternity 
Right. And if, and if we impede that because of our personal opinions or how we feel, then that's where we need to take a step back and kind of reassess, I think. So I'm going to play a little devil's advocate because I'm not disagreeing with you, but let me come <laughs> at with a different thought. Maybe that some of our audience might have or other followers might have, and they might say, okay, well, you know, <coughs> a secular secularist, that word is so hard for me to say, <laughs> secularist are never going to understand theists because their ultimate authority is the government you know, is what is in the world, right? right. The theist uh, ultimate authority is their God. Mm-hmm. For us as believers, of course, that is God, the Father, right, and, and Jesus, the whole Trinity, right? The whole, whole Godhead. So the secularist mentality is never going to understand that other mentality. Or even if they understand it somewhat, they're always going to be suspect of it, I guess I would say. Right. Right. So at some level, you know, somebody might be hearing what you're saying and, and maybe take it to the extreme and say, oh, so Philip, I guess you're saying that we can never go against a, th- a government that might be trying to overstep their bounds in our religious society. I mean, our um, freedom of religion society that we live here in in, in America, right? Somebody that our constitution guards, right? Right. So you're saying that, oh, when somebody oversteps those bounds, we just let them because, you know, we want to have good face in front of the lost people? Yeah, so, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of, the thing that you laid out there was that as believers, we, you know, have an authority that clearly they don't understand. Yeah. And so when we come back to... And there's always going to be that divide between... Right, them. yeah. I mean, they're never going to hold to the same authority that we hold because we hold to an authority that is higher above than the highest authority that they have mm-hmm. um, as unbelievers. And so when we come back to the Romans verse that we we're talking about, um, Paul's writing to a group of people that have an authority over what the Romans would consider their highest authority, mm-hmm. which is Caesar at this time. And so uh, or Nero or whoever's there. And so there's Jews there that are obviously holding to an authority that the Romans don't understand. And Mm -hmm. still Paul is telling them, look, the government that has been placed there, I'm telling you to, to fall underneath them. Right. Right. Now, obviously it goes on to talk about how we can do that as Christians, that it's not about just us going in, flipping tables and like, you know, causing a scene. Right. Um, But it's also not, you know, just, laying back and letting them just do whatever they want. And so I think that there's a, a way that that can be approached where it's not just, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I want. And I, I don't care anymore. And, you know, forget the government, but also a way that we approach and go, Hey, the government is here for a purpose, for a reason. You know, we can debate what that reason is. You know, uh, I think that in this verse, it's clear what the reason for the government is, right. It's distinguishing, you know, punishing and the, right. the evil, um, in verses right. three and four. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, government was there for a reason. So we have to understand that right. um, and find the way to, in a loving way and in a peaceful way, talk about the things that we're not happy with, but at the same time, understanding that we do hold to a higher authority. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Right. So when it comes to defiant Christianity, I guess kind of wrapping this, you know, big 
ball of wax up, you know. And this is a tough subject, honestly. It was something that hit me. I was reading and listening and thinking about this. I was like, okay, there's some things here that I don't quite understand the best way to handle it, but just trying to say from a scriptural standpoint, what is our reaction supposed to be as followers of Jesus? Just like we always do on the Paradox Culture podcast, we like to bring things to a practical standpoint. Like that's how we like to end the podcast. It's like, okay, so what? You've brought up this dilemma. What does it mean for me? You know, and not be political or anything, but you know, there's some states in our country right now that have some heavy handed stay in place orders that are, could be, I'm not saying they are, but they could be viewed as anti-religion. Right. You know, um, there's a lot of the unpack there and, and we don't have time to do that today. What is the practical of all this? And I think so what we're trying to get at is that God has allowed authorities to be in our lives. Just like you put your parents in your life and you might've had a really terrible mom or dad. Like there right. are some bad parents that God allows to be the parents of kids, you know, but God is never uh, not in any situation. He's always there. Right. Right. Regardless of the situation that you've been placed in. And I think where you're coming at it and where I would come at it is like, okay, let's so let's say God has allowed me to live at this time. You know, I think about Esther. You think about Esther, there were some bad people in government that are trying to, you know, (laughs) rid the earth of the Jews at that time. Oh, yeah. You know, now God provided a way through Esther. Right. And so maybe you are the Esther. And he did that in a very strategic way. God allowed her to bring justice for God's people, right? And I think that's the same thing. We got to look at this is like how we respond to government authorities and government officials. People are watching. People are watching us as believers. Always. And if we do that well, then we have the opportunity to further God's kingdom versus hinder God's kingdom. Right. And I think that's the practicality of where we're trying to go with right. this. Yeah, it all comes down to how effective are you going to be when this is all said and done, right? Because, I mean, if, if I go out there and just do whatever I want, you know, but it hinders me down the road, well, then I have to come back at some point and say, well, I don't know if that was a good decision or not. Yeah, and even Paul says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. beneficial. Right, right, exactly. So I think that's what we're saying. Like, yes, there may be a right of religious liberty that you have been given through our great nation, you know, and not that you weren't saying our our God hasn't. He's our, I, <laughs> yeah. I know you. You're not saying that. I just right. want to clarify that for the audience. Not anti-American. He's not anti-American. No, but sometimes we over-exaggerate the American and not oh, yeah. the Christian, not the follower of God. And so as we are followers of God in our religious liberty country that God's given us, Let's just don't like overstep that for the sake of just banging the drum of you're treading on my rights more. So let's say, how can I further God in this situation? Even though I don't, I might not agree with it. It might be tough. It might be frustrating. It might be hindering and, and it might be hurting me. Yeah. You know, it, it might, cause you know, there's some value, the great value. That's what God doesn't cause us not to forsake the gathering of the saint because there's great value in that. And so it might be, personally a struggle for you yeah i mean i my my big thing that i try and remind myself of and and this you know could be a piece of advice or or whatever but you know if if in my pursuit of my american rights i throw away 
my ability to build the kingdom of God, mm. then I've got things backwards. Mm-hmm. And I think that if any Christian really thinks about that, they're like, man, that, that, that is a good point because th- I'm, I'm going, I'm doing something backwards here. But if you think about it on the flip side, if I'm building the kingdom of God, and in, in this case, let's say I choose to, you know, not tout my First Amendment rights with the possibility of me having a long-term effect still, right. hopefully, for the kingdom of God, I would much rather choose that option. I would much rather say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going, in, in this context, I'm not going to hold services at my church in person. And I know it's my First Amendment right to do it. Right. We and I could, I could bang that drum. But I'm going to choose not to do that to maintain my ability to build the kingdom. I would much rather have that as an outcome rather than me be the person that's saying, no, I'm more worried about my First Amendment rights and potentially throwing away my ability to build the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I think that in every situation where we have a decision to make like this, that if we weigh those options, I think it's easy for us to go, you know what? My First Amendment rights take a back seat to what I've been called to do as a believer. Mm, That's a good word. In fact, that's such a good word. I think we should leave it right there. <laughs> uh, well said, Philip. And, you know, hopefully this, this episode has made you think, uh, maybe wrestle with some things that you have not wrestled with before. That's always our hope is that we get people thinking about their walk, their follow, how they follow Jesus, how that looks to the their neighbors, their friends, their loved ones, strangers. And that's our hope is that we bring up things that maybe sometimes are are hard and um, seem like they contradict each other. But how do we come to reconcile those things in our life and how we live out our life right? and what our words say to people and then what our actions say to people. Right. So that's kind of our hope as the Paradox Culture podcast. Uh, we try to do that and bring that to you. Thanks so much for watching today. We are so thankful for you. Man, it's been so encouraging to hear your uh, words of, of encouragement and Uh, Continue to interact with us on our social media page and um, through Facebook, Instagram. uh, You know where to find us, and uh, we're so glad that you've chosen to spend a little time with us today. Uh, Thanks, Philip, for all your kind words and your uh, (laughs) wise words from such a young man. You know, Um, but yeah, no, good, good job today, and um, so we're excited about continuing the this podcast. And man episode 10 coming up. So we'll see you next time on the Paradox Culture Podcast. Again, thanks so much for watching episode nine. I want to tell you that next week will be our, our last episode. Episode 10 will be our last episode of season one. I cannot believe we've made it through our first season already. Uh, and it's gone by so fast. But like you, we like to take a little vacay time. we got a lot of things coming up in the summer. So we're going to take a little summer break, and then we'll be back in the fall to start Season 2. So we hope you'll be uh, back with us after our little vacay. Uh, maybe I'll give you a time to catch up on some episodes that you missed, and uh, we'll be back for Season 2 in the fall. So look forward to having you back then.